uh, beginning a new parasha. Uh, these parashiyot <coughs> don't get easier. The book of Vayikra actually is a uh, the most difficult of all the books in the Humash. But we'll learn it, you know, on a easier level, just Humash Rashi. So I'll just give you a background. What we're talking about tonight is a lady that uh, gives birth. So she has two options. She can either give birth to a boy or a girl. Today, I guess there's more options, but in olden days when things were normal, it's a boy and a girl. Those are the two options, Zachar and Nekeba. <clears throat> and the Torah tells us that when a lady gives birth, automatically she becomes impure, like a Nida, like when she has her Nida. But the uh, purific, the uh, contamination period actually differs between if she gives birth to a boy or she gives birth to a girl. Um, if she gives birth to a boy, the Torah tells us that she is impure for the first seven days after childbirth. After that, on the seventh day, <coughs> the Torah will tell us that she goes to the mikveh. And then uh, the subsequent next 33 days, she is basically pure. She's not 100% pure, but she's pure enough to be with her husband. And then on day 40, she needs to bring a sacrifice. And then uh, she is 100% pure. She can even eat teruma, uh, which is holy food, and korbanot. Now, this law differs if it's a girl. If she gives birth to a girl, she's ritually impure for 14 days. Now, I know some of you are saying, why is she doubly impure if she gives birth to a girl? You just said if she gives birth to a boy, she's only impure for seven days. If she gives birth to a girl, she's teme'ah for 14 days. Well, it's a man's word of the botan. The point is that after the 14 days of a birth of a girl, <clears throat> for the next 66 days, she is tehora, and then on day 80, she will bring a sacrifice, and then she'll be able to even eat terumah and korbanot. So that's the, the basic rules that are working over here. Now, one more uh, clarification. There is blood that's called dam teme'ah, or dam tum'ah, blood that is teme'ah, just like when a lady during her monthly nida, that blood that comes out renders her teme'ah. It's called dam teme'ah. However, during the days between when she goes to the mikveh, let's say for a boy, on day seven until day 40, even though she's seeing blood, that the Torah refers to as dam tohar. That's blood that is tahor. Although she's seeing blood, it doesn't matter. The blood does not render her teme'ah. And the same thing with a girl. The first 14 days, she's teme'ah. From 14 to 80, whatever she's seeing, that blood is not considered blood of tum'ah. It's actually called dam tohar. Blood that has the status of tohar. So let's begin the uh, perashah. We'll try to now apply everything I just said 
into the text. By the Ber Adomayin Moshe Lemor. The Ber is Bnei Yisrael Lemor. Speak to the people. Isha Kitazria, a lady <coughs> who conceives. And she has a baby boy. And she will become impure for seven days. That she is impure for seven days, just like the days of a nida. Now there's a few things <coughs> that, that she points out to us over here. First of all, if you remember, what did we talk about in last week's Perashah? We talked about the animals. Remember we talked about the kosher animals? We talked about fins and scales by the fish. We talked about split hooves and chewing its cud by the animals. We went through the different birds. So Rashi points out that just like when God created the world, so the animals came first and then Adam was last. So, so too, when God is discussing the purity of his creatures, he first discusses the purity and impurity of his animals. And then at the end, he talks about the purity and impurity of man. So these put short actually follow the same uh, system or the same pattern as creation, as Biriyat Ta'ulam itself. First the animals, and then God ends off with men. Now, when it says Ishaki Tazriya, why doesn't it just say Isha kiteled, a lady that gives birth. Kitazria comes from the Hebrew word zera, which is the seed, which is obviously which is fertilizes the egg. So Rashi learns from over here that even if the lady gives birth to zera, which means she doesn't give birth to a viable child, we call that a miscarriage. So even a miscarriage renders the lady uh, tumah. So don't think it only has to be a you know a live child. Even if all that comes out of her is <clears throat> just this um, this fluid, which was actually you know a body that was dissolved, nonetheless it makes her tamer. That she gives us definition of a word, the word devota. It's in the first pasuk. It says kime nidat devota titma which literally means that she will be weak and infirm just like when she gets her nida. So that she learns over here, I guess the reality, that whenever a lady uh, expels blood from her body, it's a sign of weakness and sickness. That she's language is she'en isharu adam shelotechela that a lady will not see blood without feeling ill. And her head and her limbs feel heavy. <clears throat> so that's why it calls this uh, phenomenon of the lady seeing blood, whether it's through childbirth or it's through her monthly nida. The Torah refers to it as a devota, as a dava. Dava is an infirmity, which means a, a sickness, because the lady does feel uh, sick and weak, and her body is heavy when she goes through this uh, process. Now, as she points out something else, that she says that regarding a lady who gives birth, 
even if it's a dry birth. Now, I, I know that's rare. <clears throat> that means even if the, uh, when the lady gave birth, there was actually no, no blood that came out. <clears throat> Is it possible? It's a good question. So the Gemara says that it is impossible that when the lady's womb opens up, blood for sure is going to come out. But even if you didn't see it, that's the point. doesn't matter. Maybe it got lost or maybe, you know, it got uh, stuck in there somewhere, but definitely some blood was discharged. And therefore, even if it's a dry birth, the lady still is going to become uh, Teme'a. Now, I want to point out that this law really doesn't apply today. We know that our ladies, when they give birth to a baby boy, they don't go to the mikveh after seven days. You know, they go to the mikveh after, uh, you know, who knows how long, six weeks, seven weeks, eight weeks, till the doctor says they're okay. But in the olden days, that's the way it was. If a lady gave birth, seven days later already she was in the mikveh if it was a boy. So when they went to Brit Milah already on the eighth day, she was... Uh, she was with her husband. She was pure. And therefore, the Torah says over here that uh, so if she gives birth to a boy, she will be impure for seven days. Again, this law does not apply today, but in the olden days it did. And she's like a lady who gets an idad that's also temeah for seven days. Now, what do you do on the eighth day? On the eighth day is the Brit Milah of the baby boy. And the Torah is coming to tell us a chidush over here. That on the eighth day, no matter when the eighth day is, that means even if the eighth day lands on Shabbat, as important as Shabbat is, the Brit Milah overrides the Shabbat. Eighth day, no matter what. And we know that till today. That even if the Brit Milah falls out on Shabbat, and then it says, after the seven days, she goes to the mikveh, for the next 33 days, now, teshev does not mean that she sits. Teshev means that she remains or that she stays. She says, akaba means that she is remaining or staying so she remains or stays in a status of purity. And the Torah refers to the blood that comes out of her during the 33 days as Deme Tahara, Tahora. Adam. She says, even though she sees blood during the 30-day period, Tehora. So that's a good trivia question. When does a lady see blood? And we call it purity. That's during the 33 days. Uh, after the seven days. I mean, she, she gave birth, she counted seven days, in those days she's Temeah, she went to the Mikveh on day seven, then for 33 days, subsequently, that blood is called Dam Toha. Now, even though we say that the blood that came out of her during the 33 days is not impure, but she's still not allowed to come in contact with holy things. So the Pasuk says, She cannot touch teruma, which is you know, holy food. 
because she still needs to bring a sacrifice. And that sacrifice is not going to be brought until day 40. So therefore, she's in limbo. While she's permissible to be with her husband, she doesn't have a status technically of Tum'ah, but she's not out of the uh, out of the woods yet, so to speak, because she still needs to bring a sacrifice. And until she brings that sacrifice, she will not be able to come in contact with Tirumah. If she touches Tirumah, it'll become contaminated, and she's not allowed to go into the Mikdash. Ve'ela Mikdash She cannot obviously enter the Meta Mikdash. Ad melot tahora until her days of purity are complete. Now, let's say she gives birth to a girl. So this time she's impure for the first 14 days. And then for the next 66 days, she will remain and stay with these pure blood. At the end of the days of purity, whether it's for a boy or a girl, so either day 40 or day 8, she must bring a sacrifice. So she brings a sheep for a korban ola, and she brings a, a bird offering, whether it's a young dove or a turtle dove, as a korban hatat as a sin offering. Now, the question over here is, why is she bringing a, a sin offering? I mean, what sin did she do? As far as we know, all she did was give birth. Now, it's not a sin to give birth. So why would the Torah come along and say that after the process, she must bring these birds as a uh, a sin offering, anybody can give a reason for that. But Maybe up until now, women weren't allowed even to go into the Beit Hamikdash. Since when are the ladies going in now? Like so weird. Why is it weird? What do you mean? The Torah allows them to go into the Beit Hamikdash. Why can't ladies go into the Beit Hamikdash? No, but like giving carbon, like they're giving sacrifices. It's like I felt it's such a holy, holy but, thing. But, Give yourself credit. Ladies are okay. You're not, you're not as bad as you think. Ladies are allowed to go into the Beit HaMikdash. Nothing wrong with it. Ladies are just as Jewish as men. I meant it's like such a Kohen thing. And I don't know, you made it before like it was so special and the way they brought it in and the whole oh, thing. Ladies, now, my wife tells me So anyway, the point is, the point is, Maybe why, she's why does she have to bring a sin offering? So what sin did she commit? Yes, what do you have to say? I think, does she say that she doesn't want to have another baby after giving birth? Unbelievable. It's exactly correct. Really? Yeah, which means when she's on the birthing table, besides cursing out her husband for, you know, giving her all this pain of of child labor, I guess he had something to do with it. And then she makes a a vow. And she says, I'm never going to have another child again. That's it. I swear to God, no more children. I don't want to go through this anymore. So after she gives birth, and she's holding the baby, and she loves the baby, and then she regrets that she made this vow. And Bureolam makes it that the lady forgets the, the process to a certain degree. So therefore, she has to bring a sin offering to atone for the vow that she made 
using God's name, that she's not going to have any more children. So that's the that's the sin offering, and she brings it into the uh, into the Beit Hamikdash. And they will bring it, uh, offer it in front of Hashem. Uh, and she says that um, if she doesn't bring um, these korbanot, she cannot eat, you know, the holy food. So she has to bring this uh, this animal. She has to bring at least one of them, which means the main one is the hatat. The main one is the sin offering. If she brings the sin offering, because if you look at the pasuk, it says, Be'ekribo. Be'ekribo is singular. We just listed a few korbanote. We listed a korban ola, and we listed a korban hatat. But it says the main one is the hatat. Be'ekribo. Not be'ekribo. Bo would be plural. Bo is singular. So therefore, the main thing is that she brings the hatat, and she becomes pure. Zot Torah teriyoled. This is the Torah of the lady that gives birth. Now, she says that she brings, uh, no, no, the, the next person says that let's say the lady is poor. So she can't afford to bring an animal as a kurban. Animal costs money, 500 bucks to buy a sheep. So it says, if she cannot afford the amount of a uh, sheep. So then she'll bring two birds, two young doves. So it says, either two young doves or two uh, turtle doves. Small birds, like, like uh, pigeons. Uh, one is as a korban ola. Ola means the whole thing goes on the mezbeach. And the other one will be a hatat. So that she says, Right, which means even though the Pasuk says one for Ola and one for Hatat, that's not the order that she brings. She actually brings the Hatat before the Ola. That's the Gemara Zivahim teacher. So the Torah is putting the Ola before the Hatat, but that's not the way it was brought. It was actually brought Hatat first and Ola. And the Kohen atones for her, vetahera, and then she becomes purified. So this is a um, an old law of uh, the tumat leda, and that's the halakha does apply today, by the way, to a certain degree. That when a lady starts to go into labor and she starts to see blood, immediately she becomes nida, and all the laws of nida kick in. So for the husband cannot, uh, you know, uh, hold a hand and wouldn't have any physical contact. You know, you have these, uh, uh, you know, these husbands that mean well, <clears throat> and, they, you know, they're holding their wife's hand during the, uh, during the labor, thinking that that's going to make it, you know, the pain go away. They want to be part of it. Okay, I'm not talking about the guys that are going in there with a video and all, the, all this other stuff that's inappropriate, but they want to be part of it. They have good intentions, but they have to know that when the lady starts to get into regular labor, she's nida. Therefore, you know you're not doing any, you know you're not doing her a favor by, by by transgressing the rules of nida at a time that she needs to be protected from the uh, 
from the pangs of labor and, and, and a healthy baby and healthy mom. So that's something that the Torah is reminding us over here that you know, for the first seven days, or at least during act, active labor, you know, it's not a time for the, uh, you know, to show, uh, you know, physical affection. Uh, you know, better that the husband maybe take a Tehillim book, go in the corner and read and pray for, uh, for a healthy baby and healthy delivery. Okay, that's just a little op-ed at the end of the show tonight. I want to uh, remind us that she needs a big tip. If you can take a minute of your time tomorrow to pray for Haya, Sarah, but somehow she's taking uh, some, 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 some experimental medicines out of the country. And we hope that uh, the medicines will react, correct, react correctly. And, Amen. Uh, Amen. Thank you so much. We have in mind for Hayasara, but somehow that needs refuah and needs Yeshua, especially at this, uh, at this critical time. She's going through some uh, tests and, uh, you know, medical stuff so we need uh we need big uh big miracles and big uh, good news and the timing is perfect because amen we're in between purim and pesach which is all favorable months for the jewish people now the work that we have cut out for tonight is a new topic that we never discussed and that's the main uh theme of Parashat Tazriyah, which is our parasha, and it is entirely the theme of next week's parasha, which will be called Parashat Mitzorah. And that's the law of Sara'at. <clears throat> now, the word Sara'at is loosely translated, and I say loosely or better, wrongly translated as leprosy. <clears throat> now, there definitely was a disease at a certain time called leprosy. And it was very contagious. And they used to have, you know, mandatory quarantines for lepers. And they had these colonies of lepers and they put them outside the camp. But one should not make a mistake without any shadow of a doubt. The leprosy or the tzara'at of the Torah is not a physical malady. It's not a physical disease. It's something that is totally spiritual. And therefore, it's not contagious. The fact that the Torah is mandating a quarantine is not because it's catchy. This only comes because of sins. And therefore, if a person is not committing the sins that can bring this you know, disease on, <clears throat> he has nothing to worry about. So I'll just give you an example that this is not a physical disease because we're going to learn in Pesukim, maybe not tonight, but we're going to learn that if, let's say, the the uh, the patches that are on the person's body, if they're on part of his body, then it's possible for him to be contaminated. But if it covers his whole body, he's pure. Now, if this was a physical disease and it's covering his whole body, so for sure he should be contagious. But it works the opposite. If his whole body is, is, is white, he's not contagious. So that shows us that it's not working with the normal, you know, physical, uh, medical, medical rules. Okay, now that we have that, now let's try to explain the process. So how does it start? It starts with a person, you know, one day waking up and all of a sudden he sees 
a symptom. And what is the symptom? He sees a white patch of skin that starts to appear on his uh, body somewhere. Now, the white patch has to be a certain size. It has to be, according to the halakha, the size of a grease. Now, a grease is, let's say, three quarters of an inch square. That's the, the size, uh, if you remember the old subway tokens. So about a size like that, not the metro car, the, the token. So a size of the token, so that's the, that's going to be about the size. And now the Torah comes along and says that there are two primary shades of white. One of them is going to be called se'et, uh, and one is going to be called Baheret. Remember, these are the two primary colors, Se'et and Baheret. Now, what are these colors of white? So Se'et actually is the whiteness of wool, and Baheret is the whiteness of snow. It's two different whites. So if the Salat has that color, either the color of se'et or baheret, so then the kohen will come in and make a medical examination, and if he sees that uh, it's that color, so he quarantines the, uh, the person. And then he comes back after a week's time to make another assessment. Now, if it starts to spread, after a week's time, so the Kohen already renders him totally uh, Tameh, and now the guy's got to follow all the laws of Sarat, and they send him out of the camp, and whatever, he has to bring sacrifices when he gets cured, and so on and so forth. Now, if after a week's time, nothing happens, the Sarat just maintains its size, so the Kohen doesn't know anything. He says, I'll see you in a week. And then he comes back in another week, and then he makes a, a decision. If the tzara'at spreads, then he's tamir. If it stays the same, so then already he can start the purification process immediately. Now, one of the things that we're going to learn about tzara'at is only the Kohen is able to render a ruling regarding the contamination of tzara'at. Not a rabbi and not a doctor and uh, you know, not uh, you know, not a pharmacist. The Kohen is the uh, only one that is qualified to make rulings on. So, so that's one of the jobs of the Kohen. Besides all his business that he had in the Beit Hamikdash, he would also be on call. You know, a guy would call his local Kohen. You know, Mr. Kohen, I woke up with a patch uh, on my arm. Uh, now he doesn't tell him go to a dermatologist. And he doesn't tell them, oh, yeah, why don't you use some cucumber cream? It's probably uh, eczema. No. Uh, this is, in the olden days, a concern that it might be this spiritual disease that God brings out. Sometimes, sara'at does not come on the person's body. Sometimes it comes on the walls of his house. Now, today, if a guy woke up and saw spots on the wall of his house, he called a mold expert. And the guy would charge you, you know, an arm and a leg to get rid of the mold. We're not talking about that over here. This is not mold. This is not some leak in the wall or some you know, algae that's growing 
from the uh, bacteria. This over here is something that's on the wall that is a spiritual disease. So the Kohen comes along and he looks at the color and he says, oh, you're in trouble. This disease, the spiritual disease has infected your house. And they basically make the guy move out and he's got to take all his possessions and then they knock the wall down. So this is serious stuff. Now, sometimes the guy will get sarat on his clothes. Now he wakes up the next morning and also he sees a white spot on his blue suit. Where did it come from? So the first thing he tells his wife that the maid put my suit in the, uh, you know, in, in, in the dryer and in the washing machine. He thinks it's bleach, which incidentally happened to many of my suits. But the point is, that's in today's day. But this is not a bleach spot. This, the Kohen has to come along and say, yes, you've been infected with Sara'at Abeged. And then the process, because those are basically the three places where Sara'at can manifest itself. On the walls of the house, on the garment, and then on the body. And the rabbis tell us that God usually doesn't start it on the body. You know, the, the, the warning signs get closer and closer if the person doesn't repent. So first it starts on the house, okay? If he doesn't repent, it comes on the commons. If he doesn't repent, it comes on his body. So it gets closer and closer to home, as they say. Now, I told you that there are two primary types of sarat. One is called se'et, and one is called baherit. Now, there are two other colors that I need to discuss with you. They're called secondary colors. So therefore, each one of these colors has a secondary. So se'et has a secondary, and baheret has a secondary. So altogether, there are four different types of sala'at. Now, the secondary is called, in the Torah's language, uh, sapahat. So therefore, there is a sapahat to the se'et, and there's a sapahat to the baheret. Again, that is called the secondary uh, colors. Now, what are these colors over here? So one is the color of an egg membrane. Okay, you know what an egg membrane is? It's a little darker than, uh, than the se'et. The se'et, we said, is natural wool. And the second color is a chalky color, which is slightly darker than baheret. So again, those are the the, the, the four categories. You have se'et, and then the, the, the sapahat of se'et, and then you have baheret, and the sapahat of uh, baheret. Okay? Now that we have this introduction, we can start reading the Pesukim. I'm starting chapter 13. Adonai Moshe ve'el Aharon Adam, ki be'or a person that will have on his flesh se'et, that's the primary one, or sapahat, or its secondary color, or baheret, which is a primary color, and it will be on his flesh, so then the Torah says, he must go, again, not to the dermatologist, but to Aharon Kohen. And she says that 
regarding Aharon, it's a, it's a law, Fine. Only the Kohen has the right to make a ruling. Now what happens? He notices that there's a white patch, you know, in the middle of the person's flesh. And there's a hair growing in the nega. Now, initially, when he went the first time to check it, the hair was black. And then when he came back, exactly, the hair in the nega turned white. So now the Torah says, and the color of the nega makes it look deeper than the regular flesh. It's really not deeper, it's just the color makes it look deeper. It's like an optical illusion. That is considered legitimate. Now, so that we learn now. One of the signs of guaranteed conclusive tum'ah is a white hair. Okay? So again, initially when he saw it, there was a black hair. No, he didn't get nervous. I'll come back in a week. When he came back, the light hair, the black hair turned white. Now already that's a telltale sign that the guy has sarat. Now the pasuk says, baheret. Now let's say it's beheaded color. But this time, after the queen came back, the white hair in the beheaded did not turn white. It's still black. So he puts him in quarantine for seven days. So therefore, he says, well, it's pending. I can't make a ruling yet. The hair did not turn white. I'll come back. So by the way, the Jews have been quarantining way before COVID, by the way. Quarantining was involved, but this was not a quarantining again because of contagiousness. This was just as a punishment. Now, the Kohen comes back on the seventh day. The nega remained you know, uh, stable. It did not spread. So, the law is, you need another quarantine for seven days. Which means, if nothing happened, he's not out of the woods yet. The Quran says, because it's still there, it just didn't spread, but it didn't go away. So therefore, we tell him, I'll be back in seven days again. Exact 14 days. That's the 14 day quarantine. Exactly. That's exactly slow to spread. Exactly. It's exactly the only thing they're missing over is a mask. A mask and a booster shot. So it says over here, Kohen He sees him on the second seventh day, I mean the fourteenth day. The nega actually became lighter. Now, if it became lighter, that means it's going away. but it did not spread. The Kohen now purifies them. It is called Mispahat. Mispahat is not Sara'at. Mispahat is a skin disease. Then maybe it was eczema. 
or maybe it was some sort of rash or some sort of, you know, then the Quran will tell him, you know what, right. it's not for me, go to your dermatologist. You know, it's not my, uh, it's not my eye. But that takes a few weeks for the Quran to see how it's behaving, how it's reacting. So it's called Mispahat, and the she's language on the word Mispahat is Shem Nega Or. That's the name of a pure nega. However, since he did have to go through a process, he needs to go to the mikveh. So the pasuk says, he has to wash his clothes in the mikveh. Again, because since he was in quarantine, after the quarantine, he needs to go to the mikveh. Just like many of our members after the quarantine, after watching Netflix for three months, they also should have went to the mikveh when they came out, because quarantine, for, for some people, they were watching Zoom the whole time learning Torah. But for some people, they just were watching uh, movies for three months. So therefore, the quarantine necessitates a tevila. Uh-huh. Huh? Uh-huh. No, no para. You only need para aduma for corpse. But for sarat, you don't need the para aduma. So now the pasuk says, im pasot ha ba'or, if let's say this mispachat, this skin disease starts to spread, then already after the queen looked at it, and the queen comes back and says, wow, this thing is spreading. Even though he called it mispachat, which is nothing, if it starts to spread, it turns back into sarat, sarat he. And now he's called a conclusive sarat. That's called sarat muhlat. Until the Kohen renders him totally bad, he's called a sarat musgar. Musgar just means he's in quarantine. But now he's muhlat. Muhlat means he needs to bring korbanot. And we'll see what the korban is. He has to bring the birds. He has to shave his hair. He also is sent out of the camp. Sarati. Uh, this mispachat actually is a sarat. Now, just some grammar, that everybody loves grammar. It's sarat, it's called sarat he. So that means the word sarat must be feminine. So that she says that sarat is feminine and the word nega is masculine. Nega means a blemish. So whenever the Torah will use the word nega, the Torah will use the word who. Because that's masculine. Whenever it says the word sarat, they use the word he. Because again, it follows the uh, the laws of uh, of uh, of the grammar. Exactly the duke that everybody loves. All right. Anyway, that's the introduction to the laws, not of leprosy. So I don't want anybody to come along and say sarat is leprosy. It's a mistake. Sarat is sarat. It's got nothing to do with that physical leprosy that we talked about in the beginning of the class, but now you know about se'et, you know about beheret, you know about sapahat, and you know about mispahat. You learned four terminologies. Se'et and beheret are the primary colors. Sapahat, sapat is the secondary colors. And then mispahat is just a skin disease. Okay, Rabotai, stop over here. Hopefully this should be for the question. But
Shalom, Maki. We are up to Perek Yud Gimal, and we are up to Pasuk Tet. And we have over here uh, some more uh, details about what we call Tzara'at. Uh, last night I said the sarat is not to be confused with what we call leprosy. Because it's, uh, leprosy is a physical malady. This is a, a spiritual malady. So tonight we're going to learn some more of the details. So we read. Negat sarat. Yes. Negat sarat kitiyeh ba'adam. The person has a sarat affliction. Uh, on himself, so they bring him to the Kohen. Like we learned last night, only the Kohanim are able to uh, diagnose Sarat. And the Kohen will take a uh, make an observation. So we learned yesterday that one of the uh, types of Sarat is called Se'et. It's a white color of skin. So discoloration of the skin, and it's white. And we also learned last night that one of the signs of Tum'ah is if there's a white hair that's growing in the white patch. So the white hair is a sign of Tum'ah. So the Pasuk says, so the black hair that was in the uh, patch turned white. Well, there's another sign of Tum'ah, and that's called Basar Hai. So let's talk about Basar Hai for a minute. If let's say in the Sara'at, in the white patch, there is a, in the middle of it, there's a piece of live skin. Live skin means, looks like it's healthy skin. That's called mehyat. That inside the white, it turns into like a normal, normal flesh. Now that's a sign of tum'ah. So again, we have two signs of tum'ah. Either a white hair in the white patch, or forget about the white hair. In the white patch, you see normal skin. So that's called mihyat basar hai, that there is a healthy live flesh, basit, in the middle of the se'it, which is the white patch. So the Torah says, sara'at nosheneti. They're telling the Kohen that don't make a mistake, that even though you see healthy flesh, so he might come to think that that's not contamination because the flesh looks healthy in between the se'et. So the Torah says, no, it's actually sara'at nosheneh. It's old sara'at. That means underneath that flesh is going to be uh, pus. It's going to be filled with fluid. <clears throat> and therefore, 
don't get fooled from what you see on top. Underneath it is all, it's all infected, so to speak. So that's the Kohen at that point over there. The Kohen makes him impure. Now at that point, he doesn't have to um, put him in a, uh, you know, a temporary situation. He's totally tameh, meaning it's, uh, it's conclusive. Now the Pasuk says, here the Torah is going to tell us a big hadush. Let's say that Sarat is on the whole body, from top to bottom, meaning from his head all the way down to his feet. So the guy's uh, snow white. His whole body is filled with Sarat. And the Kohen, it says, comes with his eyes. The eyes of the Kohen sees it. From here we learn that only a Kohen that has good vision can come and make rulings on Sarat. He has to have he has to have his eyes. But let's say, God forbid, the Kohen's eyes are impaired, <coughs> that doesn't see good, so that he cannot render a ruling on Sarat. Now, what's the law if a person's whole body <coughs> is filled with Sarat? So the Pasuk says, Famous statement. If everything turned white, tahor. Now this is obviously counterintuitive. If he has a little patch, with a white with a white hair, he's tameh. If he has a little patch with some live flesh in the middle, he's tameh. But if his whole body is filled with sara'at, he's tahor. Don't ask me to explain that. But that's what the basuk is saying. Crazy. It's crazy. Kulo, I mean, it's crazy in a nice sense because we're still learning the Torah. Kulo hafach laban. If kulo hafach laban, his whole body became laban. Tahoru. That is a sign of Tara. So that just proves what I said last night, that this is not a physical affliction. Because if this was a physical affliction, the more Sarat you have on your body, the worse you should be. And here we're seeing that it's the opposite. The more Sarat you have on your body, you're not Tameh at all. So that's uh, that's uh-huh. the, the first Hadush over here. Now the Pasuk says, Ubyo mira'otbo basar hai, but on the day that the Kohen sees uh, on a, uh, the Tzarat that healthy flesh appears, so we said that if he just sees a white patch, it's nothing. But if a healthy piece of skin, which is called Mechiat, grows in the middle, so that's going to be uh, Tameh. So she's bothered because we learned this already. Why is the uh, Torah repeating this? So now that she tells us a another Hiddush about Sarat, and we're talking about now 
the 24 tips of limbs. You heard it right. The 24 tips of limbs. Now, what is tips of limbs? So, let's look at the fingers. You don't got to, I don't got to show you show and tell with fingers. I think everybody knows what fingers are. But nonetheless, where's the camera? Okay, it's tricky over here. Okay. Where is this camera? No technical stuff after the class. I'm just trying to figure out. All right, let's say you have. Oh, so it's over here. Okay, so the finger. So you see the tip, the Kohen, if let's say the Sarat is on the tip of a finger. So the Kohen is not going to be able to see it in one look. He's going to have to look on this side and he's going to have to look on this side. So when the Sarat on a on a, on, a, on a rounded area or on a pointed area, Sada'at really doesn't manifest itself because, again, the coin has to be able to see it in one, in one look. And here, since on both sides, you won't be able to see it in one look. Now, there's 24 uh, areas that are like this. You have the 10 fingers, and then you have the 10 toes. So that's 20. We got to get four more. You have the nose. That's the tip of the nose. That's what, 21. And then you have the ears. That's 22 and 23. And then you have Rosha uh, Ivet. So that's the, um, the, uh, the tip of, uh, of, the, of the private, of the Milan. So if the Tzadat comes in any of those places, that she says, it's not going to become Tameh. I'm going to read Rashi now. Rashi says, Hare shaya hanega be'echad me'esrin ba'arba'a rashi'varim she'en metame'im mishum mechya even though it has a live flesh in between the white spot, it's not going to be Tameh lefi she'en nere'e hanega kulo the coin cannot see it in a single look. Because it slants. Because it goes on both sides. One side and the next. But let's say now the limb underwent a change. The inclination was exposed. Let's say it became a little visible. Through fat. Let's say the tip of the finger or whatever it is became a little wider. So now it's a little more flat, and the coin can see the whole mega in one uh, in one view. So then already uh, it became broader and he could see the flesh. <coughs> then already the person was coming to say it is going to be Tameh. Okay, so you learned the new law from the Torah tonight, the 24 tips of the limbs that are generally not susceptible to Tumat Sarat, unless the queen can see it in one shot. And what is he seeing? He's seeing white with a live flesh in between. Now, the last thing the Torah teaches us here is on the day that the Kohen sees the Tzara'at, that's the day he'll render it 
tame. So that she says on the word ubiyom that there's certain days that the Kohen is allowed to look at Sada'at, but there's certain days where he's not allowed. Now, what would be an example of a day that we tell the Kohen that he should not look at Sada'at? So Shabbat. Shabbat, very good. That would be a day that he should not look at Sada'at. And then there's other examples of, let's say, you have a Hatan. He just got married. So you don't want to ruin his seven days of Shema Berachot. So let's say he has, he calls the Kohen, he says, I found this white spot on my hand. The Kohen will tell him, didn't you just get married last night? He said, uh, yeah, he said, you, you only married one night, you got Sada'at already? That's a bad, uh, it's a bad sign. But nonetheless, the Kohen will not come and uh, make a ruling because he doesn't want to interrupt the seven days of Shiva Berachot. So he won't make a ruling not on his body, not on his clothes, and not on his house. Furthermore, the Kohen does not come make a ruling on the holidays, on the festival, because you have seven days of holiday. And therefore, if the Kohen is going to come and render it Tameh, it's going to ruin the holiday. So therefore, the Torah learns, teaches us from there that there's only certain, certain days that the Kohen sees it, certain days he doesn't. Now, on the day that he comes and he sees there's live flesh in it, tamehu. But let's say the opposite. Let's say he came back and he sees that the live flesh that was in the middle of the uh, white turned white. So now it doesn't have live flesh anymore. So the Pasuk says, Then already if it turns back to becoming just white, so then already he is going to be tahor. So that's the uh, that's basically the uh, the lessons that we're learning so far. Now there's another halakha in the next pasuk. Okay, now he has what's called shechin. Now what is shechin? Literally, uh, an inflammation uh, inflammation of the uh, of the skin. Shechin comes from, like it's ham. It's like a, his, his, his flesh becomes hot, and therefore because he has an infection, because let's say of, a, um, of, a, of, of a, an infection, not, not because of fire. But just like a boil? Infection. Yeah, a boil or something, but an infection, not because of, uh, you know, due to fire. So therefore what happens? So pa. And let's say the inflammation went away. And it got better. But in, in the place where the infection was, another infection developed. So here's a case where you had a shechin, which is not a sada'at, and the shechin cured itself. And then in the place where the shechin was, all of a sudden, the sada'at popped up. Now what type of sada'at? Se'et lebana, either se'et, which we said is a type of white, or baheret lebana. <clears throat> or a white Adam Damit. Now, what does Adam Damit mean? So it's reddish. So in this case, it's a Lebana Adam Damit. It's a reddish white. Um, which means it's not solid white anymore. It's, uh, it's like uh, 
it's it's uh, she says patuch. Patuch means it has like a streak. It has like two appearances. Loven veodin. It's like a blend of two colors. Now we didn't learn this yet. Till now we just learned about the colors white. Now we're learning about this, you know, hybrid color after a sheen appears. So now you have what's called the bana adam damet. Well, gotta bring it to the Kohen. <coughs> and the Kohen will obviously take a look. And it looks like it's deeper. The color makes it look deeper than the regular flesh. There we go. You have a sign. White hair. White hair is a sign of Tum'ah. It's a nega sara'at that came as a result of shin, of this infection, this inflammation. The Kohen, but let's say the Kohen looks at this reddish white mark. It does not have a white hair. So there you go. We know the rule. If there's no white hair. The Kohen will just put him in um, in a seven-day quarantine period because you have to wait. He has to come back into seven days to see how this develops. Now, after seven days, when he comes back, the impasot of Sebaot, if it starts to spread, so spreading is also a sign of uh, Tum'ah. And therefore, v'timea Kohen oto negahi. So that's a, um, that happens after the seven days. Lastly, the Pasuk says, But let's say after a week later, he comes back and it remained in its place without spreading. So then it's not Sarah. It's called Sarevet Hashikim. That's just called scarring of the inflammation which means sometimes after you have an inflammation and on the way that it's you know going down it leaves what's called a roshim roshim means like a, a mark like a scar That's exactly a scar it's just because the, the body was heated in a certain place Inflamed and that in. heat exactly leaves a, a mark in the inflammation area right. And therefore, you know, it looks like a different color, but it's really not uh, sarat. It's called sarevet. Sarevet is, again, a scar. In that case, the Kohen is going to render it tahor. So, wow, this is really uh, amazing. amazing stuff that really we have no connection with, uh, you know. This is, not, this is not a pimple or a wart or something. This is real stuff. Maybe and they had autoimmune disease then. Who knows? Yeah, but that, that's, the, that's the point. This was not a physical disease. This only came because of Averot. This had nothing to do with, you know, uh, like we say, uh, uh, some type of infection. This is because either the guy speaking Lashon Allah, or he has Ga'ava, arrogance, or he's uh, stingy. The Gemara later on is going to tell us the different reasons that Sara'at comes from. But uh, again, it's not catchy. If a person doesn't doesn't have the avera, he doesn't have to. This is not uh, this is not COVID. This is something that is again uh, 
uh, a signal from God that the person needs to make some uh, religious amends. Okay, it's a beautiful piece. We're learning the Torah Hashem. It's fantastic. We're connecting to God through these uh, these laws, and it should be for the Fuashima for all Holy Amo Israel. Thank you. Why was it white with the black hair? You think white is pure, maybe black, or yesterday we spoke about. Yeah, I'm not going to confess that I can give you that answer. Okay, uh, because a lot of this is, uh, you know, it's a hook. A lot of this is one of those unexplained laws. So why white? You're right. White is usually a, a pure color, uh, and uh, you'd expect, let's say, a purple or something like that. No offense, uh, purple or something like that. That, that would be, but no, it says white. But guess what? When you look at a skin, white is not a healthy color skin, by the way. White right. is like albino. You look right. at that white on, on a normal right. skin, that's not supposed to be. Maybe white in the talit is pure, but right. white on skin is uh, sickly. Right. Again, that's for sure. It's not sickly as sarat. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying if a guy is white on his skin, it's only going to be tamer again if if there's a hair of white exactly black white hair grows in it or it has live flesh flesh in the middle of it. Now I'm not telling you if a guy grows a white patch on his skin and it's not sarad that doesn't mean that he's okay. He should go to his dermatologist and get some uh, you know some cream for that. Then you got to take out the cucumber soap, like I said last right. night. Yeah. But, you know, besides that. If it's sarat, all the creams and all the, you know, uh, lotions. It's not going to help. It's not, not helping. That's the only thing that's going to help is teshuva. Thank that's, you. That's, that's, have, that's, have a good night, Rabbi. We're learning Parashat Tazriya. Welcome. We're learning. We're learning the intricate laws, not of leprosy, but of sarat. So tonight we learn another case, the case that's called Mechvat Ish. Now Mechvat Ish is talking about where somebody, God forbid, got a, a skin burn and fire. And now there's obviously a burn mark and it starts to heal. So we have to pay close attention when it's healing because if it starts to leave a certain discoloration, it can actually be a sign of tzara'at. And it's similar to what we learned last night. Last night we learned about had an infection. And when we learned about the infection... You have a jacket on. So we learned last night about somebody that has a uh, an infection that is um, healing and it causes swelling. And we said that if it has a discoloration where it becomes whitish, reddish, so then already that's a sign that it's developing into sarat. So the same law is going to apply to a case where a person didn't have an infection but had a burn. And now in the healing process, it started to form this discoloration. So let's read the 
Pesukim. We're starting in chapter 13, and we're going to read Pasuk number 24. O Basar, ki ye be'oro mechvat esh. So it has a burn from fire. Ve'hayta mechiyat ha'mechvah ba'heret levana adamdemet. And as it's healing, the skin has a reddish-white ba'heret. Ba'heret was just a color. Type of tzara'at. Or levana, or totally white. So the Kohen has to come and make an inspection. And all of a sudden, we learned that one of the signs is if it develops a white hair in the middle of the Baheret. So the Torah says, That is, It erupted in the burnt area. And the Kohen is so it's similar to what we said last night. The law of the Shekhin, which is the infection, or the law of the Mikhva, which is the burn, is the same law. If it becomes reddish white or white, with a black, with a white hair in the middle, it's going to be Tameh. So Rashi asks a question. Why then not put both these laws together? In last night's class, the Torah could have said regarding the Tzara'at of Shekhin and Mikvah. Put them together. Why do you have to put two separate paragraphs and they have the identical same laws? So that she learns from here a lesson. You remember we learned that Tzara'at to be Tamer has to be a certain size. And that size, we said, is the size of a gris. Gris is uh, like the size of the old subway tokens. <clears throat> now, the law is that we don't combine sara'at, different types of sara'at, to get to that measurement. So, for example, let's say you had a half a gris of the sara'at of shekhin, and half a gris of the Sarat of Mikvah. You don't combine them to make it a full grease to say it's Tameh. That's why the Torah wrote it in separate paragraphs to tell us that we don't combine the two Tzara'ats to uh, come to the uh, Shi'u, to come to the, <coughs> the, uh, the amount. Now the Torah comes along and says, Ve'im kohen. Now let's say the Quinn after inspecting it. There's no white hair in the, in the spot. It's really dimming. So after the first inspection, if he doesn't see any conclusive signs of Tum'ah, they wait a week. He puts them in, you know, quarantine for seven days, and then he comes back after seven days. So the Pasuk says, he comes back on day seven. Now, if it starts to spread, that's it. It's going to be Tamer right away. And the Torah uses a, um, a language over here, which means if it starts to spread. 
Then the Torah makes him Tameh right away. That's called Sarat. But if it just stays the same size, it didn't spread, and there's no white hair in the middle. And it's just dim, meaning the color is not dark like it was. Then it's called Se'eta Mikvahi. It's just a burn. It's a regular burn, and then let him heal, but he's not Tameh. We call that a scar. Sarevet is a scar. So it's scar tissue, but does not render him uh, Tameh. So that was another form of Sarat. Now we get to yet another case. The ish or isha, that is applies to a man or a lady. All these laws apply to men or women. <coughs> so he has a, an affliction. Uh, so now we talked about sarat in the hair or in the beard. Like an ingrown? Now, what is that? An ingrown like? No, no. Sarat means the same item that we're talking about. Okay. A white color of skin that develops in the scalp, in the head, or develops in the beard. Now, again, like I said, this law applies to men and women. Uh, you don't find it too often that women have beards, although I'm sure today you can find anything. <laughs> but uh, for sure, it's talking about uh, in their head as well. So now <clears throat> this law is coming to teach us that there's different signs. And I'm going to tell you the different signs. Till now, we learned that when a person has on his flesh a white mark, a white blemish, and there's what color hair inside of it makes it tamer? What color hair? White. Bingo. That's white. So therefore, we said that's a sign of tumah. However, when you have a affliction, again, a white spot in the head, in the scalp, or in the beard, then we don't make it tameh with a white color hair, but we're going to make it tameh with a yellowed colored hair. The hair turns yellow. And we're going to read that in the Pasuk now. Kohen etanega. The Kohen sees the affliction. And its appearance is deep into the skin. It looks like it's deep into the skin. Anybody speaks Hebrew, Sahov is yellow. Now, could anybody tell me there's another word in Hebrew that sounds like Sahov that also is yellowish? Anybody know that word? Sahov. It has two out of letters. Very good. Very good. Very good. That she says that Sahov is actually a variation of the word Zahab. It actually has the same letters except that Sadi and the Zayin. Because if you look at the color gold, gold also is yellowish. And therefore, Sahov and Zahab are from almost the same, the same word. Very, very important. Interesting. <clears throat> now, if he has this yellow hair, 
Now, a, a sarat that's on the scalp or in the beard is called netek. So the Torah says netekhu. It's called a netek. Sarat arosh or azakan. It is indeed sarat of the head or the beard. Now let's say he inspects it. And he's looking, and he doesn't see a black hair in it. Now, the Torah teaches us a lesson here, that if, after the first inspection, he sees a black hair, he is immediately pure. Remember we learned in the other cases, where you have on the skin, if he sees a black hair, he quarantines him for a week until he comes back and checks him again. That's by tzara'at on the flesh. But tzara'at on the hair, a black hair in the middle of the tzara'at is an immediate sign of purity. And therefore, he doesn't have to come back. <clears throat> but let's say he doesn't see a black hair yet, but he doesn't see a yellow hair either. So therefore, he's in limbo. So the Torah says, he puts him into quarantine. And then after seven days, First of all, it didn't spread. And it doesn't have a yellow hair in it. So then we know that since there are no signs of Tum'ah, so the Torah says that what do you do in such a case? Well, let's say he sees on the seventh day, there's no signs. So now the Torah says something interesting. <coughs> the Galah means he must shave his head all around the netik. And you'll see why. V'etgalach etanetik. I'm sorry, v'etgalach. V'etanetik lo yigalayach. Now, literally, the pasuk means that he should shave the hair, but he should not shave the netik. Now, it's impossible to shave the netik because the netik is a piece of white, uh, white skin on the head. How do you shave that? So what it means to say is that you don't shave around it. You just leave a little perimeter of like two hairs around the white spot, but he shaves the rest of the head. And what is the purpose of this? So it'll become easy to tell next week when the Kohen comes to recheck it, if it's spread, because you're creating a border around it. So if you see that the white spot past that border of hair that you left around it, then you know it's spreading. And then you know that it's going to be tameh. So the Pasuk says again, we're reading. <clears throat> I'm reading Pasuk Lamed Gima. Bet Galah. Galah means that he should shave himself. And around the netek, he should not shave. And the Kohen then. Uh, Leaves him in quarantine for seven days. He looks at the seven days. It didn't spread. 
ומראה עיני עמוק מן האור וטיהר אותו הכהן וכיבס בגדיו בתאי, דן הכהן צאז יסתהור. ואם פסו יפסע נתק מאור, איזה קייס, this happens sometimes, where let's say the coin says, you're good, you're good to go, you're tahor. And all of a sudden, after we tell him he's tahor, it starts to spread. So it's like he got a, uh, a false positive. He told him you're okay, and when he left, all of a sudden the next day it started to spread. So he goes back to the coin. That's it. Once he sees spreading, that's the biggest sign that this guy's got sarat. You don't have to look for yellow hair. Because even better than the yellow hair is the spread. That's a more indicative sign, a more conclusive sign of Tum'ah. And therefore, Tamehu. Then if, let's say, that the netik uh, just remained the same appearance that it was, and there's a black hair in it. So we learned, once there's a black hair, it's tahor. That's a sign that the netic is cure. Tahoru v'tiharo ha'kohen. Fine. Now we go to the final example of tonight's lesson. Ve'ha'ish. <clears> or isha. Ki yeh be'or besaram beharot beharot lebanot. They have Beharot. Now, what is Beharot? That she says, Habarburot. Okay, what is Habarburot? That's like spots. That's more like freckles. All of a sudden, he sees like spots. Like, you know, some people have sunspots on their hand, things like that. <clears throat> spots. Yes. Well, these people are having on their hands white spots. Now, they know what it is. It's eczema, it's it, uh, sarat. Kohen, the Kohen will inspect it. So he has on his head, he has dim white spots. So this is called in the Torah's language, Bohak. <coughs> Bohak, that she says, is like a white patch, which can be seen on the flesh of a red-complexioned man. Certain people have a, red, a reddish complexion, and therefore they have like these white spots and reddish in between. That's called, what's well, like freckles? Ki'ish achan, like a freckled person, as she says. Shebein adashan between the freckles, mavika basar, below ben sah. Like when a person has freckles on white skin, you see dots, red dots with like white in between. Or there's a flesh. Here, you're getting white spots and it's like reddish in between because he has like a reddish, reddish complexion. That's called bohak. We have good news for the members. Bohak is not sarat. And therefore the Torah says, tahor hu. That's a perfect way to end the night by saying the words Tahor, who he is pure. And therefore we say, Hashem, God should purify all the sick people from their sicknesses. They should have that we're studying these Pesukim and we're not, uh, not skipping anything.
Rabbi, God bless you, Rabbi. Amen. Amen. He puts on here, he says it's skirt. Let's finish our limut for the week. Parashat Tazriya, and you guessed it, Mola Pasi. That's the theme of the uh, theme of the week. So now we're talking about last night we talked about sarat on the beard or on the head. Now we're gonna talk about and then we talk about freckles. So now we're in Perek Yudimal Pasuk Mem. Now we're talking about a man whose hair falls out. We call that bald. So a bald spot is not a form of leprosy. Bald spot means he's bald. So that's uh, that's the situation. So he's pure. So that she says that's not considered uh, what we said yesterday, uh, netek. Netek is when he has something on his beard or on his head. So it doesn't have that uh, that same law. Uh, we said that <clears throat> uh, since it's a bald spot, so it's going to take on the laws of leprosy of the skin. Remember, we learned we learned that there's different leprosies. There's leprosies on the flesh, and that has its own rules, you know, based on the colors and the different uh, signs of tumah. And then we learned last night leprosy of the of the hairy areas, which means the head or the beard that has its own rules. So the law is a bald spot on the head does not have the rules of netek of the se'ar, of the hair, but it has the rules of sara'at, of the, of the flesh. And remember we said, let's see if anybody remembers, some of the telltale signs that makes sara'at of the flesh tameh. What is a telltale sign? What has to happen to make it tameh? It's right. yellowish. It has to be white. The yellowish was on the hair. Yellowish was right. on the hair. It has to be white. White. That's white. And Jacob, my son, said the correct answer as well. It has to, if it spreads. 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 That's considered another, another sign. So that's, uh, again, so even, and we learned last night that if it's on, a, a, it's on the beard or in the head, then the law is that if it has a yellow. The, exactly, a yellow hair, or in the middle it has some flesh in the middle of the hair, or it spreads, so then already it's a problem. So the Hidush over here is that even though this Sana'at is in the hair, but it's in a bald spot, so the bald spot is treated as flesh, and therefore it takes on the rules of Sana'at of the flesh. Similarly, the Pasuk says, Let's say some hair falls off his face. That's called gibeyah. Basically, he's frontally bald. Okay? Hu tahor. So it's tahor. Gibeyah hu tahor. But if in the karahat, in the bald spot, you have a nega lavan adamdam. Remember, we learned like a reddish white streak or red streak running through it. Sara'at Burahati, that's a sara'at that erupted in that spot. Bekadahto, or Bekadahto in his bald spot. 
or in the front boldness over here, like, and then it's going to be Tameh. And following the rules of Tzara'at of Orbasa. Ish Saruahu, that makes him a Sarua. Tameh, 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 Akwen, Berosho, Nigo. So we learned already this week Sara'at in different, different forms. And now the Torah tells us that no matter who has Sara'at, whether it's Sara'at on the flesh or it's Sara'at from a um, inflammation that we call that Shrein, or it's Sara'at from a burn, which is called Mechvat Esh, or it's Sara'at on the head or on the beard, or it's Sara'at on a bald spot, all these different cases. Once the Kohen uh, rules that the guy is Tameh, but he has to rip his clothes. So he actually is like a mourner. He has to rip his clothes and also uh, he has to grow his hair just like a mourner. can't cut his hair. And his beard, his mustache, I mean, he has to grow. Also, it covers his, uh, covers his face. And the Tameh Tameh Yikra. Now, the Tzara'at, the Mitzorah, this guy who has the spiritual leprosy, is impure. And therefore, he can make others impure. Now, he can't infect them with Tzara'at, because that's a personal disease, but his Tum'ah is infectious. And therefore, when he, he has to leave the camp, they're going to now put him in solitary confinement outside of the camp. He's got to leave his house, got to leave the community, and they put him in, uh, you know, some, uh, some, 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 some uh, confinement, like they did with the, you know, they put him in a COVID hotel. Point is, when he leaves the camp, he has to let everybody know, beware, I'm Tamir. So they don't shake his hand, you know, Atov. Or they go up to the guy and they start uh, patting him on the back. So on the way out, the Torah says, Tamir Tamir Yikra. He has to scream, I am Tamir. I am Tameh, Tameh, Tameh Yikra. And from here, the Gemara learns a, an old lesson that still applies today. And what is that lesson? The poor get poorer. And I guess the rich get richer. But we're talking about the poor get poorer, which means Hazit, this guy, it's not enough that he has Sarat. It's not enough that he has to leave the camp and go into solitary confinement. But he has to demoralize himself by screaming, I am Tameh, I am Tameh. As, as if we would say, you know, we're adding insult to injury. But he has no choice. The guy's got to, you know, let everybody know so they keep away from him. So therefore the Torah says he has to pronounce Tameh, Tameh, I am Tameh. And then the Torah says, Badad Yeshev. We put the Mitzorah into isolation. Now, why are we putting him into isolation? To the extent where we don't even let him live with other Tamer people. If you're going to tell him, well, we put him in isolation so he doesn't make anybody else impure. No, even with other impure people, they put it, we put him in a, in, a, in a solitary confinement. That's called Badad. Badad means alone. Question is why? So the Rashi says, 
All other people that are impure, we don't put them in solitary confinement. Why this guy? Yes. And the, she teaches us it's a measure for measure. Because the main sin of why a person gets leprosy is because he speaks Lashon Ara. That's the big crime. Now, what is Lashon Ara? You speak about people. And one of the things that Lashon Ara does, it causes animosity between people. It's, you know, did you hear what this guy said about you? He said that you're a this and you're a that. And therefore, you start to have negative feelings. And you start to have, uh, like I said, divisive feelings. And what this guy did, the Mitzvah, he was breaking up people, whether it's husband and wife, getting them in trouble, or friends, you know, gossip mongering one to the other, and, you know, spreading Lashonara. And therefore, since this guy's MO, <coughs> modus operandi, as they say, his MO is what? To separate and divide people. So God says, you are going to be separated from people as well. And therefore, God puts them in solitary confinement. And there's a deeper understanding that in solitary confinement, there's one thing the Mitzvah can't do anymore. He can't speak Lashon Ara. Well, today, you know, with the cell phones, I guess, he can speak Lashon Ara. He can take a cell phone with him in the solitary confinement. In the old days, before the advent of cell phones, the Mitzvah is all alone. And then what is he going to talk to? The walls? And therefore, it uh, trains him that because he didn't, he didn't know how to live with society or in society, he abused his privilege of living with society because he became a, uh, you know, a divider of people. And therefore, they tell him, okay, leave the camp, be alone, separate from the society for a couple of weeks, and then you get rehabilitated and you come back. And the Torah tells us he has to live outside the three camps. So there's different camps and different territories. He's got to be the furthest. So the Mitzvah is removed from all three camps. Now the Torah comes and tells us the last type of Sara'at, which is called Sara'at HaBegin, where Sara'at, the leprosy goes on the garment. Bebeget semen on a wool garment, or bebeget bishtim, or a linen garment, or bishti, or ba'erin, which means it's either on the woof of the linen or of the wool. That's the you know, one of the strings, the, the long string going uh, the length of it. Or on leather, or be'or, or bechol melechet or. So all these Garments, wool, linen, leather, are subject to sarat. Now, what does it say? What are the colors now? So you got to get out your uh, Benjamin Moore sarat uh, sheet. Uh, Color palettes. Bob Ross palette. And, yeah. uh, you have to see the colors now. Now we got new colors we're introducing. Yeah. Deep greens, deep reds. Yeah, exactly. So the nega is a deep green. Or Adam Dam is deep red. Ruby. Ruby, If it turns that color, that's considered. So now we added a new color tonight. 
that's for the garments. And you show it to the Kohen. The Kohen sees the Nega. So he puts them in, in isolation for seven days. And then he comes back. Now we look for signs. One of the signs is it's spread. Then it's called Sara'at Mam'erit. Now, what does it mean, Sara'at Mam'erit? Literally, a cursed Sara'at. Now, what makes it cursed? So that she says, because uh, once already the garment has Sara'at on it, you're not allowed to benefit from it. So it's as if it's a cursed garment. And she says, Ten bo Put a, put a curse on it. In the sense of you're not allowed to benefit. The tzarat is like a thorn. It causes pain to the owner of the garment by making his garment unfit for use. They say a cursed garment. And now what happens? The tzarat is a begit. Now you got to burn the garment. That's the only thing you can do. You can't wear it. got to burn it. Or it's a shetiot ha'edim, but semen or b'pishtim. Now over here that she says, a chidush, that you burn the garment alone. Now let's say you have, I don't know, a leather garment, but the rim of the garment is wool or linen. So the Torah comes along and says, you don't have to burn the, um, the, the borders of the afflicted garment. Which means, if the garment primarily is, 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 is leather, so then you don't have to burn the borders that are wool. Well, let's say the, 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 the garment is wool and it has a, a border of linen, you could remove the linen from the garment and you could just burn the, the wool. So that's what as she says over there, that you only burn the actual garment. So, but semiru pishtim, it means oshel pishtim, so the Midrash means to say, Yachol, Yavigi Zesemir, Panitsepishtan, Do you bring bundles of flax and wheat and use them to make the fire? Kamudomar, Huba Eshtesaref. No, only the garment itself. You don't bring anything else. So why is it mentioned, Wolan Lenin? It's to come and say, that means you're able to remove the borders of the afflicted garment, which are a different variety of textiles. So that is the Hidush of that Pasuk. And finally, the Pasuk says, after he comes back in a week, and the nega on this garment did not spread, then he just takes the garment and they put it in the mikveh, and they gotta wait another seven days. So there's always like a, a seven day waiting period, and after that uh, they check it. Uh, they check it again. requires washing, and that's um, that's washing it in the uh, in the mikveh. When we say the bagot is um, has sarat on it, 
it has to go outside the camp, correct? With the person? No. Or just the garments? Just the garments. Just the garments. So why not? Why not? Why wasn't it just burnt? Because no, if it has a lot on it, no, waiting for it to spread? No, we don't want to burn the guy's garment, husband. Maybe he wants to wear it. So therefore, we but wait. So we're not allowed to take, we're not allowed to have benefit from it. If, if it indeed is Sarah. So we wait to see if ah. this is going to go away or it's going to show signs of progression. If it's going to show signs that it's, going to, it's, it's growing, then you're right. Then you have no choice to burn it. But after a week, if it starts to get smaller or it loses its color, so it's healing by itself. It's healing by itself. You just have to throw it into the mikveh, and then it'll be okay. All right. I had enough of Sarah, to be honest with you. Shavua uh, Tov, Rabotai. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you. Shabbat Shalom.